So when we come and sit and we practice, it's simple enough to say, but I think we forget this often, that we really have to start right where we are. We have to start wherever we are in that moment. But we forget this, and we come and we sit, and we have often, and in this we, I'm including myself, because this has been my experience too over the, the many years of practice, we have this preconceived idea of how that this particular seat, sit is going to go. And maybe we have an idea because last time we sat, it was really great. And so we're expecting a repeat of last time. Or maybe we just had this awesome day and we sit down and we expect that to carry through into our practice. Maybe we've been mindful all day and really persistent with it. And we just feel like, okay, now I'm going to sit down. And maybe our mind carries that through or perhaps it gets really busy and starts to plan and starts to rehash conversations and uh, memories. And that wasn't what we were expecting. Sometimes we sit down and we're so excited to sit and we end up dozing off. (laughs) We end up being just totally exhausted the minute we close our eyes. We're doing the nod, right? And so this can be really discouraging. And sometimes it's so discouraging that we get thrown. We don't know what to do, and we're fighting it the entire sit. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Yeah. Sometimes we come without a plan at all, and we just sit down, and we don't really know what we're doing, and we just space out for the first, I don't know, 35 minutes, (laughs) and then realize, oh, wait, I'm here. I'm supposed to be meditating, and then the bell rings. (laughs) Has that happened to anybody? (laughs) That's happened to me. And we just just weren't weren't, uh, planning anything at all. Our intention wasn't really there. And so when we come and we sit, we have to start wherever we're at in that moment, not where we were earlier on in the day or where we are hoping to be, but just where we are. And how we do this uh, involves understanding effort, the amount of effort that's necessary to create the conditions to help our mind relax and settle to help our bodies relax and settle, to help our attention become strong and clear and present with whatever is here. We actually are needing to um, often cultivate the conditions for that. But if we're not ready to be present with where we are and accepting with where we are in the moment that we sit down, Uh, it's most likely not going to happen. Sometimes I think we, um, just the style of our practice, not even just in the moment, how are we on this last sit, but sometimes the attitude that we take into the style of our practice um, affects this in a big way. So for example, um, I, I... 
can remember times in practice where I just had this angst and, and like a fervor for um, uh, pushing through and, and really uh, making my mind get concentrated, uh, just forcing the mind to focus on something, whether it was the breath or the body sitting here or sound, but just, just with everything I had to just keep it in place. Um, feeling like that is right effort. We're talking about effort. I am efforting. <laughs> I can do this. I'm going to make it happen. And you can see just in that type of attitude, um, as sincere as it may have been at the time, uh, was actually not very wise, not really understanding what uh, wise effort truly is. But we can do this. Um, and I see this a lot, uh, not just in myself in the past, but also with other people, other yogis who are meditating, and they come in and they're just so excited and ready to wake up and ready to do whatever it takes. And this is a really fantastic attitude uh, in certain ways and can take us far in our practice at certain points. And if the wisdom isn't there to stay in balance with with our energy, with our effort, uh, we end up actually getting very out of balance. Uh, We end up agitating the mind. We end up actually cultivating wanting, uh, cultivating clinging to an idea of how it should be and, and what we should be doing in the moment. And in that brings in a tremendous amount of tightness. I know that I've worked with a number of yogis on retreat now where this is what's happening. And um, uh, although perhaps they're getting concentrated in some way, uh, oftentimes I hear headaches, my ears are ringing, I can't sleep. There's often something really agitating going on that keeps disrupting the concentration that they aren't able to to handle because the balance isn't there and they're getting thrown uh, around by their mind. But in the moment when we're in it, it just seems so right. But we're just not understanding clearly. Sometimes we come to practice and their fervor isn't there at all. Instead, it's kind of um, a lack of commitment. To, to practice, to be present. We're m- more committed to uh, our struggle. We're, we're um, more committed to our dukkha, our, our pain and our suffering, because it's familiar, it's cozy, it's, you know, it's what we know. And we know we want something more, but we just don't know how to break out of that. And so we're more committed in that way and not so much in the practice. And so we know it's a good idea. But to actually sit down and do it every day, that's a little bit more than than we're willing to to put effort into. Um, And so there can be kind of like this, um, a a laziness in the mind. Uh, And this is just part of our humanness. It's not something to feel bad about. This is just what our mind does. Our human mind, it likes its coziness, its familiarity, even if it's something that's actually not so healthy or helpful. 
uh, something that is really keeping us stuck in our lives. But it's familiar. We, lo- we like that. Our minds like that. It's just part of our humanness. And yet, and through this practice, when we're, we're looking at effort and how to stay in balance with the effort that we need, um, in those moments, we're actually needing to cultivate something different. We're needing to cultivate uh, more energy, more interest, more insight, more clarity as to what would be most helpful and wholesome. Sometimes that, uh, that kind of non-commitment, it's not so much laziness, but overwhelm. We get just overwhelmed with what's going on in our life, and we work with that in different ways, but often it's kind of a rejection, a pushing away, or a shutting down. Uh, So I'm seeing this a lot just with um, the current uh, political climate um, and just everything that's going on these days in the news. It feels... Uh, really overwhelming, I think, to a lot of people. Just what's going to happen next? It seems just crazy. And, uh, and so when we get into that space, what's our tendency? What do we do with that? Do we fall into a place where we just would rather do nothing? Uh, do we get overwhelmed? Sometimes it's not you know, necessarily something happening out in the world, but maybe more directly in our life. Maybe we're experiencing great loss, for example. Um, there can be so many different things happening. Great change that we just, we're just feeling overwhelmed, and so the idea of coming to practice just seems like too much, just like another thing that we need to add. Like it's just too much effort to even get to the cushion. And yet, the rest that can be experienced within practice is actually the greatest antidote to what we're feeling. But it's it's counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive because we have this idea of this great efforting that is necessary, this great commitment that is necessary. And um, perhaps we feel like we don't have that within us. But perhaps instead it's just a misunderstanding of what that commitment and and that effort that's necessary, what that effort actually is. There can be just so much confusion around that. So I want to kind of pull that apart a little bit. And I recognize all of these things within myself. I can pinpoint points in my own practice where all of these have have arisen, and I've had to work through them. And so this is just part of the path, is noticing, where is my effort right now? Is it needing more energy? Is it needing more rest and relaxation? I think oftentimes, actually what's needed is rest in the mind. Even when we're not wanting to commit, because it feels like, Mm, we're more committed to to our dukkha or it just seems like we don't have the time in our schedule. We're just busy, busy, busy. If we look down and kind of pull apart 
that experience or that story. Oftentimes, I think what we're actually really needing is a deep, deep rest. We're needing our time for our mind to just be able to let go and relax and not be so entangled by our stories and our ideas about the commitments we have, our dramas, our nation's dramas, all of it. The Buddha uses uh, an example of a lute. A lute, uh, to my understanding, is an ancient string instrument, a musical instrument. Um, So I guess in modern days you could say it's um, maybe comparable to a guitar, although I think the guitar is a little more complicated, but we'll just say it's a guitar for now. So we all know what that looks like. And he talks about how our effort is really like tuning a musical instrument. And if you've ever watched a professional musician, and maybe some of you are, perhaps some of you play the guitar or something like that, um, when they sit down to play it, they tune it. It's the first thing they do, is they start to tune their instrument and make sure that it's ready to play. If they just play, it's, you know, the sound isn't quite right. And, uh, and so even after tuning it as they play, you'll watch, they might stop and just tune it a little bit more. And a professional uh, musician can tune it by ear, where if you're just starting out, you'll have one of those little tuners maybe that, that hooks on or is on your phone, your smartphone or whatever, and you play uh, a C chord or whatever, and it tells you, okay, that was a little flat or a little sharp, and then you, you adjust. But a professional musician can actually do it by ear. And they don't just wake up one day and have that ability. They do it because they've been practicing And they just know they're so familiar and in tuned with the sound of that instrument and how it should be feeling and how it should be sounding. And so in this way, the Buddha likens the tuning of a musical instrument to the effort that is needed and how we actually need to adjust that effort as we go along. And that we're we're actually often constantly adjusting it. Sometimes it just adjusts naturally in our practice. We don't, there's actually very uh, little need to, to um, very intentionally adjust our, our effort. It just does it effortlessly. When we train the mind, a trained mind uh, knows the territory, it knows the terrain, and it knows how to adjust to that terrain. But an untrained mind, we're actually really needing to look at this we're really needing to bring this piece into our practice. So when we sit down and we notice, I mean, how, when you sit down, do you take a moment to tune yourself, <laughs> adjust your effort? Do you notice, oh, I'm really tired this evening? Or I have a lot of anxiety. Or I'm really caffeinated, I shouldn't have had that chai latte before I walked into meditation, or I'm just slogging along here. I just ate that huge meal, and now I'm sitting here, and I can just, that's all I feel. It's just this big meal. 
So do we notice that? Do we take the time to actually see where are we at in this moment and then adjust ourselves? Um, unless we've been taught to do that, probably not. But this is really important. It actually uh, makes a huge difference as to how our practice will go from, from there. And as we're sitting, maybe we begin and we have lots of energy and halfway through we're, we are getting the nods. Are we able to adjust, sit up, maybe open our eyes, maybe even stand up, maybe pay attention just to the in-breath so that we're feeling the cool air through our body and awakening ourselves a little bit. Or maybe we have this memory that comes up and all of a sudden we're flooded with memories and anxiety and all sorts of emotion. Do we know how to hold that? Not see it as a distraction or something that just threw us off our practice, but actually part of the practice that is actually right there. That is what we're working with. How do we attune to that? Can we lean back into our chair a little bit, feel held by our cushion? Can we take deep breaths? Can we really feel our body sitting here to support all that's coming in? Do we know how to shift and move in this practice? Otherwise, if we don't know how to shift and move and dance with what is actually coming through us, we're just controlled by it and we're thrown by it. We get confused by it. Uh, we space out into it and realize, oh, what, what, what just happened? We're out of control. It's in control. So we have to learn how to move, how to dance with the experience that's in the moment, that's present with us. Whatever it is that's present with us, that is our practice. That's what we're working with. It's not a distraction. It's part of the moment. It's part of us in that moment. It is the practice. But we forget about that. So we need to find a balance in our practice. We need to find a way to go from a mind that is uh, out of control or neurotic or just spacing out or sleepy. How We need to find a way to come into balance with whatever it is that's happening. To come to a place where that which is seeing, that which is knowing what's happening in the moment is actually resting in whatever the chaos is that's going on within, whatever is arising. That There's a part of us, the part that knows, that's seeing, that is the part that can deeply rest and pay attention, be present with whatever it is that's happening, whatever is arising. When I talk about this, the um, image that arises for me is a memory, I think probably early teenage years, maybe 13 years old. Um, this part of my life, I grew up in Illinois um, and just outside of Chicago. 
And um, we were there partly because my family, I have a lot of family in the Midwest. Both my parents are from Michigan, so a lot of family in Michigan. And uh, we have, on my dad's side, a family cabin up uh, just below the Upper Peninsula. So it's just at the top of the Lower Peninsula. Um, on a lake in the middle of practically nowhere. Dirt roads, no traffic. Uh, everybody knows each other. Um, uh, we would go up four times a year, once per season. And... I have this memory of wintertime, going there, up there in the winter, and where nobody went up there in the winter. <laughs> it's just, you know, you've got like five feet of snow, and uh, they'd have to plow just to the, the area you'd call ahead, and someone would come and plow out your route to your cabin, um, which is pretty rugged. There was heat, but it was pretty basic um, in, uh, uh, yeah, I just remember as a kid that was great. I don't know how my parents did it, looking back now, but uh, we really loved it. Um, But it was so quiet and so still. And one of my favorite things to do at the cabin in the wintertime was to go out on the lake, which would be frozen, um, at night. And it would be pitch black except for the trillions of stars that you could see. And I would go out and I would lay on my back and just look at all the stars, and listen. And it would just be a deafening silence. And then every once in a while, you'd hear coyotes in the background. I mean, that's just how out there we were and how quiet it was. And that makes me think of this, how the feeling of this, this, this deep inner stillness, this place where we can actually rest our mind, this place where... Um, even though uh, we can have actually a lot going on around us in our lives, a lot going on internally, the part of us that knows and sees it all can relax and rest. And that rest is not a sleep rest. It's not like we're taking a a nap. Uh, When I would lay out and, and... be present with whatever was there, the silence, the coyotes. Uh, There was the cold, and the cold would bring in this great alertness. There was no way you could fall asleep out there. It was freezing. But it was this really great kind of alivening cold. And this makes me think of this um, clarity and uh, alertness, awakeness, that can be in this feeling of deep rest. And that's something that um, with practice and even sometimes with, with some guidance, we can all touch upon. In fact, I'm guessing that what I'm, as I'm saying this, some of you are remembering times that you've actually experienced this, where the mind just rests, the attention rests. And there's that clarity, the awakeness. And in fact, in that moment, there's very little effort needed, is there? Because the mind is rested. Because there's this element of rest, there's all of a sudden uh, a lack of tightness. There is a a clarity of seeing how things are without having to really push ourselves, without having to over-effort ourselves and strain to stay there. 
So when we're talking about effort, this is part of what we're talking about. Wise effort, knowing that this is actually um, when we can come into full balance, that this is, this is actually where we can come to. When we talk about a concentrated mind, it's not this mind that, you know, I, the word concentration sometimes I think is not the right word for, for in, in English because we get this idea that we're like really concentrated and, and really pushing for it. That's not the case at all. It is this deep rest. And then from that, the conditions allow for this clarity, this ability for the mind to just set and rest upon the object at hand. Or maybe it's not a single object. It might just be an open awareness of everything that's happening, but still feeling that stability of the mind, the collected mind. Is this making sense? Okay. The Tibetans have a word for this, uh, rigpa, which um, can be defined in different ways, but one of the ways is uh, that it's this natural state of mind when there isn't clinging, when there isn't ignorance in the mind. This natural state in the mind is this relaxed, rested, clear mind. So think about it for a moment. In fact, let's just use our imaginations, and you're welcome to close your eyes if that helps. Imagine right now that your mind became completely free of ignorance, of wanting things to be different, of aversion to anything, of doubt. If there was no experience of restlessness or sleepiness, laziness, if there was no ill will in the mind, what would be left? And don't answer that with a word or a phrase in your mind, but actually feel it. Feel what would be left or get a sense in the mind of what, what would be there. See if you can taste the experience of that, even if it's for a moment. And then if you'd like, you can stay there or you could open your eyes. And I'd love to hear, maybe we can just throw out some words that describe what is left. What do you imagine is there? I know I just said don't use words, but (laughs) I'm going to bring you back into the cognitive. Sorry. (laughs) It's nice not being in the cognitive, isn't it? There's something restful just in that. It's not a cognitive place, actually. It's why sometimes talking about deep dharma is really difficult. It's really hard to point to this stuff. It's why I've been told, it's why often the Buddha talked in negatives, that it's not this, not this, not this. Because it's so hard to say, that, that's what it is. (laughs) 
So in the cognitive mind, if, for those of you who'd like to come back to it, what, uh, what are some words that remind you of this, this place of being free of all these things? Relaxed. Space. Pleasant. Peaceful. Bright and shimmery. Warm. Say again? Lightness. I thought you said politeness. <laughs> that might be true too. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that really what we're looking for? When we get stuck in these mind states of over-efforting, trying too hard, under-efforting, just feeling like, eh, I don't know if I want to really commit to this, or feeling overwhelmed. Really at the heart of all of those uh, confused efforts is wanting, this is what we're wanting, actually. We just... It's just a little counterintuitive. We just don't quite realize it. And the we I'm speaking of in this moment is that part of us that's uh, that that me, that that solidified I-ness, the selfness that gets in there and thinks it knows so well (laughs) what we need. Oftentimes acting as a protector acting uh, in our best interest, but actually it's the part of our mind that's really quite confused and just doesn't really know better, but seems, seems like he does or she does. And so in this practice, we start to learn to recognize that voice, the voice of confusion and not really understanding we start to recognize it and we start to um, have compassion for that voice. And we also stop feeding that voice and listening to it. That in itself is also wise effort. There's um, another analogy that I really like um, and that is, uh, if, you, if you took, let's say, a mason jar and you filled it with water, uh, with muddy water, and you shook it up. Every time you shake it up and you try and look through it, there will not be clarity. It's going to be that mucky, muddy water. But if you stop shaking it and just let it sit for a moment and let it settle and rest... It becomes clear. And there's so many things in our life where we are shaking up that water. We're shaking up our mind and all that muck and ignorance and doubt and restlessness and um, aversion and you name it, all of it. Uh, we're, we're often shaking it up in ways we don't even realize. Uh, so wise effort can also uh, be the guarding of our, our speech, our actions, how we are off of the cushion. What we do really matters. It really does have an effect. 
on our ability to deeply rest, to come to that place and deeply rest. And so part of our balance and effort um, also is, is looking at how are we shaking up the muck? When are we shaking up the muck? And taking a, a really good look at that. It takes a lot of honesty and humility to do that. Uh, it means going to the places that, um, where we are blind to our own behavior and, and really taking a look at how are we shaking it up. Because that muck, when we shake it up, unlike a glass of water with mud in it, which once you stop, it will predictably settle and clear. Uh, life doesn't quite work in that way. Nature doesn't quite work in that way. We might sh- shake up the muck at one moment, and that same, uh, the repercussions of that actually can appear later on uh, uh, when we least expect it. So this is the law of karma. So what we do right now matters so deeply and we experience this on a very relevant in a very relevant way the experience of karma you know when we sit here and we have a memory of something we really regret saying or um, regret doing maybe we've lied or maybe we cheated in some way or um, you know we maybe we took something we shouldn't have um, maybe we even just had really awful thoughts about somebody. Um, and that all happened before, but we know it doesn't just end there. It shows up later in time. It pops up in times that we, we actually can't control. We can't control when these things arise again. So all we can do when they do arise is to adjust and be with it, and see if we can find that stillness and relax into it. But we can also, with our effort, and with this clarity of mind, with this resting, seeing clearly, knowing what's going on, we can also prevent the shaking up of that muck to appear later on. We can really uh, use it to make sure that what we are doing in the moment is not just adjusting to past conditions, but not creating new ones that will um, show up in an unwholesome way later on. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So there's this really beautiful uh, poem that I bet some of you have heard, and I meant to read it a little earlier on when I talked about Rigpa, that state that we we rested in there for just a moment. And uh, this is Nyoshul Ken Rinpoche. Uh, He says, Rest in natural great peace, this exhausted mind, beaten helplessly by karma and neurotic thoughts, like the the relentless fury of the pounding waves, in the infinite ocean of samsara. Samsara is our 
that karma, that, that shaking up of uh, the muck over and over and over, re, um, re-shaking it out of our ignorance. It's our, it's our dukkha. It's our suffering. Rest in natural great peace. This exhausted mind, this exhausted mind, beaten helplessly by karma and neurotic thoughts, like the relentless fury of the pounding waves in the infinite ocean of samsara, rest in natural great peace. So we can find this, this peace uh, within ourselves, within our practice. We can do this by, right when we sit down, take your time to notice how you're needing to adjust. We can do this by um, bringing our awareness and our attention more to the way that we are in our life and really recognizing when we've shaken up that muck. And also recognizing when uh, all that muck has settled, when we are truly resting, when we stop all that over-efforting, when we are just really here and present. Even if there's the chaos around us and within us, there's that part of us that knows and that sees and can actually relax in all of it. To really get to know that, that place, to acknowledge it, to feed that, to, to give that our attention and our care. So I'll stop there so that we have some time for uh, questions and comments. I'd love to hear either your experience with, with this topic or um, if there's any confusion or if you have any questions that, where I could maybe better clarify. This would be a great time for that. So quiet. <laughs> oh, thanks. I forgot about this. How do I uh, not get pushed out of my body? How to and how to keep keep your center? It's a great question. Um, let me ask you a little more, if you don't mind, just so that I'm really answering your question. Um, Yeah, thank you. And that helps people also who need help hearing. Um, so when you are experiencing something, when, when, you actually, when you feel pushed out of your body, what, is that, what does that mean to you or what does that feel like? What's happening to your attention? Sometimes I'm feeling scared mm-hmm. or worried or overwhelmed. Yeah. And do you lose track when you say pushed out of your body? I mean, you, you, do you lose track of just being here in the body, or does it mean something else to you? Oh, 
It's hard to say. Yeah, that's okay. Um, I ask because, you know, everybody's experience is different, but uh, it's not uncommon, I think, that when we are overwhelmed by something, that we get really trapped in the mental experience of it, and we get kind of up here with it. Our attention goes more into mm-hmm. the thoughts and um, the feelings even are felt more up here. Like mm-hmm. it's, like it's um, as if our feelings were um, our thoughts, which they're, they're different. You can pull them apart. Um, and we forget to be in our body. And that can be a really natural response is to kind of mentally leave, leave the body. So what I would say first is to recognize when that's happening, if that's possible. And one of the ways to recognize that that's happening um, is to start training yourself when you see or experience that happening to notice your feet. See if you are feeling your feet while that's all happening. And see if you can feel your feet and still have the thoughts and emotions happening. But bring okay. your attention down into the body and see if you can use the body almost like an anchor for your mind right. to stay as present as possible. And that can be really difficult depending on the emotional circumstance. That can be a lot, and it can be a practice that goes on for a while. But um, uh, it can be a really helpful practice that once the mind knows to do that, takes repetition. Our minds like repetition. Our brains like repetition. Mm-hmm. The more we repeat a mental activity, it strengthens that area of the brain more and more, and it becomes more of a habit. And so we're just creating new habits in the brain. So the more and more you can do that, uh, the more um, I think you'll find that you can still uh, inhabit this body when the chaos is happening in the mind. Mm -hmm. And also start to see the relationship of the mind. You know, we think of the mind, we go, we think here. But actually, that's not accurate. Our brain is up here. The organ of the brain is up here. But the mind is not necessarily the brain. This whole body is filled with uh, neuroactivity. Our whole body is our mind. It lives here, but we, we somehow have lost that knowledge over time, and so we're relearning that somewhat in this practice. The wisdom of the body. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So it just takes practice to reconnect with that. Yeah. Thank you for your question. And there's one over here, and if you wouldn't mind waiting for the mic, that's just really helpful. Thank you. I want to ask about the other uh, spectrum of experience of feeling sleepy. Mm -hmm. Um, This evening I was feeling sleepy and I started to count my breaths as a way to bring my attention into more energy. Mm -hmm. And then I stopped doing that and uh, because it felt tight. And so I just was kind of falling asleep a little bit and then coming back and feeling a sense of joy 
with returning to the breath and falling asleep and returning to the breath and falling asleep. And I guess I'm just wondering how I did. (laughs) A plus. Gold star. (laughs) I I was aware of my sense of judging. And and actually, Uh that's actually my question, partly, is um, partly why I stopped counting is because there is judgment Mm -hmm. of the falling asleep and I, yeah. and then it was such a relief and such a pleasure yeah. to not be judging it and just be oh it's wonderful just returning to the breath yeah. and oh it's happening and I'm just mm. you know I just want to so hear your response and in some ways I think our judgmental mind is exhausting <laughs> right it really can it's an energy suck and um, when we can just relax and 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 let go of the judging uh, in whatever way that works. So it's just letting go of that, that way of that particular way you were trying to stay awake was triggering judgment. You went to something else, but also notice the judging. Um, yeah. And there can be, and then joy arises because when the judging isn't there and the mind can just rest in all that, it's, it's peaceful. It feels good. It can feel happy even. Yeah, I, I yeah. Everything you did, obviously, it's it's. I'm not, I can't really grade your <laughs> your meditation, but it's all it's all inclusive. You know, when we sit down, uh, the judgmental mind, the sleepy mind, the disinterested, un- uninterested mind, they're not separate from our practice. You know, they're not distractions from what we're doing here. They're part of the experience. And so we get to just notice, oh, this is judgmental mind. Judgmental mind being known. It feels like this. It's tight. It doesn't feel good. It's unpleasant. Oh, when I move my attention to just the breath and I relax a little bit, my judgmental mind is gone. I'm experiencing the mind now without judgment. Oh, it feels like this. Oh, there's joy here. Oh, there's still sleepiness. Sleepiness feels like this. This is, now I've returned. Oh, being present to the breath, it feels like this. It's all included. And so that's why I'm I'm making, um, uh, uh, kind of, I'm, I'm trying to pull apart this mind that knows and that's watching and that's present. That is the mind that rests that's the that's the deep where the deep rest is, and it can actually be present with all that other stuff that's going on the judgment the the sleepiness, the joy, all of that going on, and then there's that part that's just knowing it that is just oh, when we can bring ourselves into that and just relax into it, and the more we do that, we get to relax and learn how to relax into so just about anything really over time we can we can relax into anything it just takes some practice which that's really great news <laughs> i think for most of us with all the stuff that's going on you know we can actually not be battered by it we can be at peace with it For um, several years, a while back, when I would begin to meditate, I would sort of sit down and I was starting to learn about some of the different maps to follow 
um, seven factors of awakening or jhana practice or other kinds of things, and I would mm-hmm. sit down and I'd say, so what's going to work today? And I would often have, have, often have a sense maybe of if this is going to be a nice, bright, intense, good concentrated, or I'm really sleepy today, so let's just sort of, you know, <laughs> hang out and see what goes out, what mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. And it had the feeling for me like it was kind of an exploration, like I would, I would poke here and see if there was a soft spot and if it was, then I'd make it through, and I could, I could make. And sometimes it'd be just nothing would happen there. I say, okay, so that's not working. Uh-huh. So what next? And kind of in a an exploration. In there, sometimes there was cognitive aspect to it, but a lot of times it was really just kind of intuitive. Like, Let me just lean this direction mm-hmm. towards towards you know pleasantness or towards energy energy or towards calmness or or something like that. And a year or two ago, I guess, I settled into um, Anapanasati, mm-hmm. where there's kind of a built-in 16 different options and various aspects of 16 different options. So it's like, okay, where am I going to you know, land in this particular way? And this time feels like really just a good, let's sit with the breath or move into the body or move into some of the different aspects. So I think it's, I found it useful to not just sort of sit down and wait for nothing to happen, mm-hmm. although sometimes that's, I mean, sometimes that also. I just say, let's let's just see where it goes today. Uh-huh. But it's useful to kind of have as a backup, an option to kind of poke around different different yeah. paths and and explore that way. Yeah, it's um the Taoist story of Chang Tzu who talks about the skilled butcher who you know, you know doesn't work hard to cut through the the bones. He just sort of works the knife and feels the knife until the joints fall apart. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like that for you know where's the where's the resistance? Let's just work my way gently through the resistance and boom, yeah. and it always works, right? Well, sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it's it's always an interesting exploration. And I think that's the important part. It's it's this is this can be so interesting, you know. And it is. It's an exploration, um, and sometimes we'll sit and. We don't have to look for anything. It's all, it's just right there. What we're going to work with in this sit, it's right there. And other times, it's a little more subtle and quiet, and so we might feel like, oh, there's not a lot going on, but the mind isn't really concentrated, the, the attention isn't strong enough, so we, we actually need to intentionally focus on something like the breath. You know, I'm going to just feel that in and out sensation right at that, my left nostril, you know, and you're just right there. But, you know, we have to actually maybe use a little bit of our intention to get there. Um, it's, it's, it's constantly changing. This is part of, uh, this is one of the um, natural laws that it's always changing. And so if we have this fixed idea of how our practice is going or will go, um, or even even a fixed idea on how it's gone in the past, um, we just end up being stuck. You know, it's 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 useless uh, thinking. <laughs> it's a it's a useless idea um, because it's just constantly changing, and so it's part of that that uh, tuning that that musical instrument that being. Um, in the dance of, of it all, constantly moving and shifting and being with, this is what's happening right now, and adjusting appropriately 
This is what's happening right now. And when we do that, you can see there's just much less effort than you would think. There's just not as much effort that's needed when we're in the flow of things. It's very little effort. It comes from this place of of being relaxed. You can imagine like a a Qigong master just doing these, these very soft movements, responding and reacting to what's happening appropriately, but doing it in this way that isn't agitated and tight or, um, you know, overreactive or trying to make what you're responding to different than it is. We spend so much time and effort, so much energy. It's exhausting doing that. You know, it's, it's like we're trying to lead, but we're the one who's supposed to follow. You know, if you've ever had a dance partner, partner and they're leading and you're leading too, it doesn't go well. <laughs> So it's kind of like that. We're in this dance with life, and we think we're leading, and we're not, and we're just stepping all over our own feet, really, in the end. It's not graceful. It's a lot of effort. Um, and, and it can be really, you know, all kidding aside, really painful. It can be a, a really pa- A lot of our own pain is, comes from this, our discomfort in life and within our mind. In our relationships, it's, it's coming from this. I was going to say, final little piece you made me think of, I guess. One teacher, I, very liberative experience I had listening to one teacher that I respect a lot, and I'm thinking, well, he must really be like there. <laughs> He's made it. <laughs> and he said, you know, this practice of mindfulness is a lifetime uh, effort. To, it's, it's a lifetime practice. Mm-hmm. I went, ah, shucks. <laughs> I, I was hoping that I'd get there like he is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, obviously I kind of know at some level that that's somewhat silly perhaps, but, mm-hmm. but it's like, oh, so it's not like, you know, so I'll, I'll have a really great <coughs> me, meditation experience. Like, I think I've figured it out now. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then the next time it's like, oh, it's not there again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's really just the forever exploration. The Buddha practiced every day. <laughs> you think of anyone could just like hang out and stop doing it. <laughs> and he practiced every day and had all sorts of, you know, people who were really plotting against him and people who were, you know, trying to win his favor and he had uh back aches and headaches and uh food poisoning in the end and you know, he had life he was just human. He was a guy living his humanness and practiced every day. And yet, um, from as much as I understand, was able to just rest in this place and, and have a stability in that place with all of that going on and still having that steadiness of mind to be just right there in that restful place. So what that points out to me is that, um, yes, we keep going and we keep exploring, and it is a lifelong practice, but there's the possibility. It's, it's just right there. It's just right there. It's just a matter of shifting our understanding and our view uh, into, uh, out of this kind of overwhelm and being run by this neur- the neurotic mind I love that phrase. <laughs> I relate. <laughs> that neurotic mind and coming to this more of this place of, of 
real pe- real peace um, within. So uh, thank you, everybody. Um, we'll stop here and dedicate the merit. And um, the dedication of merit is just uh, a time for us all to come together and really um, acknowledge that the practice that we do here, the time we spend here together listening to the Dharma, practicing the Dharma, it does benefit us. But in turn, it it actually benefits uh, the people in our lives. It benefits people um, even outside of our our known circles. Um, It has an effect in the world that we, we can't quite understand. We are spending time here to cultivate wholesomeness. Uh, and that has a ripple effect. And so this practice is not just for us, but um, in this way for all beings. And so we dedicate the practice and the merit and the wholesomeness that we have uh, created here together to all beings. So we'll dedicate the merit to all beings that all beings may they feel, may they have safety Uh, from inner and outer harm. Uh, May they have happiness and contentment in their lives. May they have health in their mind and in their body. And may they find uh, the path or a path towards more freedom in their minds and in their hearts. May all beings be free. Thank you for your attention. I hope to see some of you or all of you on on Sunday. Come join us for more practice.